You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And on today's episode, we're talking about trust. It's such a key element in any relationship. Marriage, friendship, parent-child. It's just foundational, really, to how deep or close any given relationship will be or can be. Yep. And if you have older kids, this word comes up a lot as you're transitioning from parenting a kid to a young adult. Uh, can I trust you with the car keys? Can I trust you with the computer or in a dating situation? Ugh, I'm so glad we're done <laughs> with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have younger kids, maybe you haven't even really thought about trust a lot yet because you haven't had to hand over those reins. But whether you know it or not, you're still paving the road of trust between you and your child. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite verses is, from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Right. And the one that you say all the time, he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Oh, I love that. And such a good principle just in general, mm -hmm. in parenting. It's just reality. Yeah. It reflects reality, what much of scripture does. Mm -hmm. So what is trust exactly? Where does it come from? How do we create it? And... What the definition that I found is that it's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or strength of someone or something. You can depend on someone because they're safe and secure. Well, that belief doesn't just manifest itself out of thin air. Usually we're basing it on some kind of demonstrated track record. Yeah. So um, here's an example. I trust this bridge can hold the weight of my car as I drive across it. I put money in a trust to be held until it's needed. I trust you to keep something confidential when I share it. And as we live our lives trusting and following Jesus, we find God to be faithful to the promises he gives us in Scripture. All right, so in each of those cases, each of those examples, there's something vulnerable about us, some risk that we take that we hand over to somebody else. The more times I'm driving over that bridge and make it to the other side, the more likely I am to keep crossing it. If I confess something to a close friend... And they treat me well without shaming me or judging me, the more likely I am to include them on other things close to my heart. Yeah, and the opposite is true, isn't it? And those trust right. boundaries get violated, those experiences like turn out badly for us, then we readjust. Yeah, that's how we learn to mm -hmm. negotiate the world. Mm -hmm. So trust lets us be vulnerable. It lets us be ourselves. I mean, how many of us actually are ourselves? With yeah, people. without the mask. Yeah. Without the pretense. Right. Mm -hmm. It lets you feel safe and secure. Trust can increase your closeness and minimize conflict. Mm -hmm. We relax and we can depend on someone else. And we feel like we can turn to that person for comfort, affection, help, or reassurance. Yeah. And I found this distinction really interesting. So a lot of times we'll ask ourselves mentally when we meet somebody or we're friends with somebody. Okay. Do I trust you? Can I trust you? But Probably a better question is, do I trust you to do X? Because you might trust me to keep your confidence or to keep your child for the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But you probably shouldn't trust me, just being honest, to drive a school bus or teach calculus. Mm, same. <laughs> 
random examples here, but same. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, trust has to include competence and reliability and honesty. Yeah. That's really helpful because then you don't, you end up not um, writing t- people off totally. You, it helps you kind of understand your relationship with someone. It's like, okay, well, I mean, I know I do this. You probably do too, Bonnie. Like there's friends that I know just talk a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't just hate them, you know, all together say, hey, you're out of here. But there's just things I know I would never tell if I don't want it repeated. If I don't care if it's repeated. Yeah, exactly. And and they're still a part of my life, but they just don't get in that inner circle of yes. trust. You're trusting them up to a point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I trust you to, to discuss a book, to have some fun, mm-hmm. t- to go to lunch. But if I'm in a real life situation, mm, no, I'm not going to let you in on that. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's a great example. Um, from a parenting perspective, how are, we need to ask ourselves, I guess, even with little kids, how are we teaching trust? Right, a baby doesn't know what that word is. No, so but how I, are you teaching them trust? I know, but I think we're like there's something happening fundamentally in, in their wire, their little baby wiring <laughs> that's like teaching them what trust is. So mm-hmm. like they just like you, like you wrote, they're a big ball of need. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that sentence. So at the most basic level, every time we respond and feel that need, we're teaching trust. They cry, we come address the need which is usually, do they need to eat? Do they need their diaper changed? Or do they just need to be held and comforted, go to sleep? Right. Real simple actions. Yeah. It's not like they're trusting you with, you know, their confidence, their most secret dreams. It's just, are you going to come when I need you? Mm Mm-hmm. And what we're teaching them about trust is there is someone in the world who makes me feel safe and secure. Again, to me, parenting is all about mediating who God is to your child until mm-hmm. they can know for themselves. Cause isn't that how we want to be with the maker of the universe this big concept mm-hmm. that, that we can be safe and secure with, with God. So man, that's so we're, heavy. we're, yeah, we're modeling that to them. And I, I think I would say that's probably our biggest role as a parent. I mean, forget about the temper tantrums, forget about the dressing the right way and all the other things. The biggest thing we can do on a concept level is to model what trust looks like to our kids because that's going to be the basis for all of their future relationships. Yeah, because time goes on, that little baby becomes a toddler, and now you're setting boundaries for them. What's a yes and what's a no? And you're explaining this boundary is for your good and your safety. I'm not trying to kill all the joy in your life. <laughs> right. Contrary <laughs> popular opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, put your hand on the car when I'm getting your brother out of his car seat because his parking lot is dangerous and I want you to be safe. Yeah. So you're little by little, you're modeling. So when you're, when they're a baby and you're meeting their needs, you're not using the words, obviously, because they don't have the vocabulary. But by the time you're describing it, you're starting to use that word, trust. Mm-hmm. Like, say that out loud. So the classic example is when you're tossing them in the air, right? Um, and you're pushing them on a swing or you're getting them to jump to you in the pool. Those are great times to just say, hey, do you trust me? Just and, say that. And don't jump out of the way as a joke. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, fulfill the trust expectation. Yeah. Be worthy of their trust. Catch them. Yeah. Catch them. Exactly. So um, I'm remembering when we did the um, the talk. 
mm-hmm. with each of our children in their upper elementary years about puberty and yep. dating and sex and you're changing body and all the things. <laughs> um, that was one of the phrases we introduced to them. And we, we kind of just put a marker, kind of just a marker in the in the timeline of their childhood and said, okay, up to this point, we've tried to show you that we're trustworthy. Mm. Here's how we've done that. Moving forward into this very different season of life, um, we want you to know you can still trust us. We have wisdom here that we want to share with you, and we have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And it was still theory. It, you know, it's better to do this conversation when it's theory. Yeah, and it's they, never really been tested yeah, in a hard way. Yeah, and there's not these competing voices of adolescents, you know, saying, don't trust your parents. Yeah. Know? But that was one of the things that was suggested to us as parents is to say, okay, use that word again and again. Remember, you can trust me. You can trust my judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prove that. And then prove it. Show up for that. Beg God for wisdom, <laughs> which he promises to give you. That's right. <laughs> I, it's reminding me of our podcast with um, Matthew Hauser. Yeah. And uh, from Seeds Family Worship and his explanation when he was a teenager about that's exactly what you just said. He knew in his time of need that he could trust his dad. Mm-hmm. And his dad sure did prove that out when he came to him with like this huge sin in his life this, yeah. that he really needed help with. And his dad was the one he went to, which was what we all want. Mm-hmm. And he proved so trustworthy. Yeah. Like, hint, hint. He's, he responded in love, not condemnation. Right, exactly. So if you repeatedly use that phrase and they've learned, yes, they can trust you. And you do have their best interests at heart. You keep their confidences. You don't humiliate them and shame them. Well, that's going to go with them into the teenage years. Mm-hmm. Now they're 16. Like you said, there's more at stake. You've put that marker in the ground and hopefully they've agreed. Yeah, I, I can trust you. Yeah, you have. You do have a track record. So now they're asking you about going to an event or hanging out with a certain group. And you can ask them with a pause before you give that advice or decision. Do you trust me? To make this decision with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've laid the groundwork for that. But, okay, here's the deal. The reverse also has to be true. You have to teach them that you're trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So I took this very seriously. Um, I think it's probably just my disposition, how God made me, that I'm. this is one of those really important things for me. Mm-hmm. So I made sure I didn't even tell. If I thought, hey, we might go to the zoo if it's good weather, I wouldn't even say that we were going unless I knew for sure. And that might be the morning of. Right. I did not want to say we're going to the zoo and then not go. Oh, because it's, I understand it's raining. Yeah. We don't want to go to the zoo in the rain. But I just but didn't in want. their minds, you said. Yeah. And you didn't. And you didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I just, I wanted to be sure that I was laying that groundwork really clearly. So... We're talking about us as parents being trustworthy, but we also, there's going to come a time when your children need to learn to be trustworthy themselves. And that can happen really early. Toddler years. Yeah. Like how? So you say, okay, so also coinciding with the the toddler years trust foundations you're laying is the lying. Mm. So I remember for my kids, it would be if I saw that they had made their bed, which involved sort of kind of pulling up a blanket. And putting a pillow on their little, mm-hmm. you know, their toddlers. I um, would point that out. I would know that they'd done it. So I wasn't tempting them to lie, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, I'd say, did you make your bed? 
And then I would know the answer. Yeah, yes, mommy, I did. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you for telling me the truth. I'm glad I can trust you with that. Yeah. That's an example. What would you do? That was easy. Thank oh, you for yeah. Telling me the truth. Can I yeah. trust you with that? Um, right. So like if you, hey, can you carry your cereal bowl to the sink without spilling? The milk. <laughs> the milk. Because who wants the milk? You just want the marshmallows out of the I cereal. Know, and yeah. <laughs> you don't want to drink that nasty. <laughs> Some people do. I did not. No, no, no. Um, and then they do that. Yeah. They're careful. They're, you know, they don't drop anything. They're not spilling. And thank you. You were trustworthy with that. Yeah. Just pointing it out. I love that. Um, helping me unload the dishwasher, you know, that's mm-hmm. that helping. That's air quotes big time <laughs> there. But you, you get it like handling that plate in a way that's careful. It's sort of like the cereal thing. There's so many things. Right. Or I know I can trust you with your sister's toys. Yeah. Like you're not going to go in her room and destroy everything. I know I can trust you with that. Yeah. Um, or just pick them up. And to say, say that to a kid, I know I can trust you, um, instills them, I think, with this extra will to be trustworthy. They want to prove you right. Yeah. Like she said, I can. I like, I think I can. Flip everything to the positive. <laughs> I think I can it, do that. That you can. Like by hook or by crook. Go for the positive reinforcement. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. going to have to correct. I mean, we know that. Mm-hmm. But you do not, please don't find yourself saying, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Right. And there are ways to prevent that. Oh, there too. are ways to prevent that. Yeah. But, so when they're little like that, like the toddler years and younger elementary years, um, don't short circuit this by expecting more than they can deliver. So if you know that by design, a toddler does not have the self-control necessary to share and keep their impulses in check and play nicely all afternoon unsupervised. Well, don't set that scenario up and then claim that you can't trust them. Right. You're setting them up to fail. They couldn't do that anyway. Yeah. You're always wanting to set them up to succeed, which means your agenda gets subordinated to what is the best for your child. Mm -hmm. Welcome to dying to yourself (laughs) in the 1013th way. (laughs) as a parent. So then as they get older and they're in school and they have friends and they're out of your supervision, you can let them know that you trust them ahead of time. And you can check with parents and teachers if you have to. I got to say, when reports came back to me, we were homeschooling, so it would have been like in a church setting. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, Houston was such a good helper during cleanup. That is not the fun time. I was like, oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. For being trustworthy with our family standards and fulfilling your obligations are actually going above and beyond. Right. Doing what you yes. doing what you know is expected. Yeah. Um, I call that who was it that said that? Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the Cold Great. War days. So you're trusting them. You're saying, Hey, I'm trusting you to do this. But um just like expecting too much of the toddler, there's a lot getting put on uh older elementary kid, a teenager. So I'm going to just spot check and verify Mm -hmm. just to like my own peace of mind. You can put it that way for my own peace of mind. It doesn't mean that I don't trust you, but I'm just going to spot check. Yeah. And most of scripture in my mind, the older I get, I see it as holding a tension Mm -hmm. between two ditches of extremes because we humans veer off all the time. So you're, you're wanting to verify as you said you don't completely trust but then you're also wanting to encourage them that they can do it and launch them out into the world of 
responsibility right. so that they can be proven trustworthy. Yeah. So yeah, you want to you want to hold that tension and um I think parents the young parents that we talk with, Bonnie, you can contradict me if you think this is wrong. I think they put way too much trust in their like upper elementary age children to handle more responsibilities than they can. Insert technology here. Right, right, for sure. And you remember what the three elements of being trustworthy were. We said they were competence, reliability, and honesty. So if you think about those as three balls that you're juggling, um, your kid at, at any age, what the ages you were talking about, um, probably they're not expert jugglers yet. So there's a high likelihood they're going to drop the ball of competence. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just haven't had enough practice in that area yet. Or maybe you're giving them more than they can handle. Um, probably high likelihood. Occasionally they're going to drop that ball of honesty. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean trust is off the table forever and ever. And they're just, you're just an untrustworthy person, period. It means they're working through that. And that's what you're there for. Yeah, I would just verbalize it. You know, oh, so we've you've broken some trust here. We're just going to back it up a little bit. I'm, mm-hmm. You're going to need to prove to me that I can trust you in this area. Yeah. Again. And it, with the expectation that it can be rebuilt. Yeah. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Every kid is going to sneak. Every kid yep. is going to lie. Every kid is going to get tempted. So deal with it like you would anything else. Yeah. But there's not some magical age... That like once they reach 15 or 16, you just trust them with the technology and that and their privacy and all their choices. Right. That's just flat out 100% <laughs> baloney. Yeah. Hot garbage, as I would say. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know where that concept came from. Is that all of a sudden, oh, you're 16 years old or, or insert age, whatever it is. Yeah. And society's telling you, okay, now your kid has somehow gotten this crown of privacy and all the things that you said yeah, just, just just by virtue of being a certain age uh no. no i'm thinking about all the things we know about brain development and teenagers and it's still going till they're their mid-20s yes. yes so physiologically even right like there's some limitations they're gonna have right even as even as many of them are very capable in in some areas mm-hmm so trust is not simply granted. It's earned through consistent demonstrations of trustworthiness. Yeah. That's and such a key. <laughs> again, we'll just say it. Check their technology. Check in. Check their text messages. Look for the apps. You can call other parents. Please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compare and contrast. Don't don't buy the line that you're the only mom. Mm-mm. You're the meanest mom in the world because <laughs> you don't let me X, Y, Z. Okay, you know what? I, I just talked to Lucy down the street and my friend Sharon <laughs> over there, and we're all doing it. So knock it off. Yeah, yeah. So lying, as we said, every kid's going to do it uh, from toddlers on up for different reasons. Some of it's developmental, and some of it's like outright trying to deceive you. Mm-hmm. So these are all great opportunities to talk about trust. Um, it's not a personal vendetta against you, and it doesn't make them, as we said, a liar for life. But you, we need to treat it seriously and why yeah because lying more than most anything i would say say that it undermines the trust foundation which undermines relationship Mm -hmm. jesus calls the holy spirit the spirit of truth Mm -hmm. is one of the names that he uses for the spirit of, of god and 
so that's just antithetical to the nature of God. And it's antithetical to who we're striving to be. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> you and I've been unpacking this a lot lately. Um, just when we, when we personally believe a lie, just how it affects how we interact into in the world. Right. It changes our whole walk it, through the world. Yeah. Our whole mindset. We go limping along with this, with this awful, uh, you know, burden mm-hmm. of untruth. And so imagine that what that does between two humans as well. Yeah. If it does that big of a thing to ourselves, it also does a really big, bad thing to it's relationships. Gonna, yeah, it's cripple, cripple that relationship just like it does. Um, so like you said, it's the thing in our house. It was, it was the thing that is going to restrict and reduce our kids' freedoms because that's sending them back to ground zero. Like all this time mm-hmm. from the time you were a baby, we've been building this road of truth. We've been building mm-hmm. this foundation of trust and you just like, you just ran that right off the road. That's big. So it's going to take us some time to like build our guardrails back, get you back on the straight and narrow. Um, where I can trust you again. They're going to have to be climbing that ladder for a little while and proving to you. Yeah. So let's just remind our listeners, we've mentioned this in a couple of podcasts. Our view of parenting is an upright funnel. I think most Americans view of parenting is an upside down funnel where the little people run amok mm-hmm. and then you, you like let them embrace their inner self, their true self, which let me tell you, wants to do lots of big, bad things. <laughs> And then as you get to like preteen years in high school, people freak out and they pull in all the boundaries and they, they strangle. Because the decisions matter more. But yeah, because mm-hmm. the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. And we advocate to having more boundaries in the early years and letting them out as they prove trustworthy. Right. And what we've found is that your children will have quite a few more freedoms if they've walked that road for many years with the upright funnel, knowing that it's not a straight line. It's a zigzaggy line. Mm-hmm. You give them some freedoms and maybe they handle it well and you move forward and then they fail and you bring it back in and it's constant tweaking. Right. And so what you're describing is like when that violation of trust happens, what we're doing is we're just pulling those boundaries back in that funnel. We're just coming right back in the funnel a little bit. Let's just take a step back, mm. go back to where you were doing well. And then you can prove that we can move forward again. Right. Which means you're going to have to give them opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have to trust and give it a little risk for yourself to, okay, yeah, I will let you go to this event and I will let you, are you going to be where you say you're going to be? Those kind of things. Yeah. Verify. Yeah. Trust and verify. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll say it again. It's true for us parents. You've got to model truth and trust to your children. You keep your promises to your spouse. You do what you say you will. You're not two-faced. You're honest in your work. You don't keep secrets. You know, I've been standing in line at Marshall's where the mom turns to the daughter and says, don't tell daddy we're buying this stuff. Yeah. Whoa. Ho. (laughs) I want to issue a ticket. Bad parenting (laughs) alert. It's communicating all the wrong (laughs) trust messages. Yeah. So, yeah, you keep your friend's confidences, your children's confidences. You know, um, that's one of the best qualities in a person. I, You know, that when they're like a vault, you know, mm. you know, like, okay, if I tell, if I tell this person this, I have a couple people in my life like this. I'm looking at you, Houston Sproles. You are a vault. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of him for that. My dad is that way too. That man yeah. to his own detriment, he will not give his side of the story. If 
it will violate something that is supposed to be kept confidential. He'll mm-hmm. just take the hit. Yeah. What, a, wow. what an admirable quality. It's so admirable. I'm not there, but I, I, I really admire it. Yeah. That's definitely something to strive for, but yeah, you are definitely modeling. Mm-hmm. Every time you do that, you see, you know, you look at your dad and you say, that's trust. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's, no doubt. I can trust you him. You can totally trust him. Mm-hmm. So do that for your children as a model as well. Um, I just read this awesome book. Actually, it was several years ago. It came out in 2017 by Rachel Botsman. It's called um, Who Can You Trust? She's, I didn't know they're worth such things, but supposedly she's a world-renowned trust expert. And she traces the social transformation of trust in our society, which I thought was super interesting. So in the 70s, after Watergate and the Vietnam War, Gallup polls started asking Americans how much confidence they had in major institutions like banks, media, public schools, organized religion, and Congress. Well, back in the 70s, about 75% of us said we could trust those institutions to do the right thing most of the time. So fast forward 40 years later, uh, they're still doing that Gallup poll, which I, good for them. It's not going to be good. The data is so interesting. Yeah. So by 2016, <clears throat> we're at historical lows in our trust of institutions we averaging only 32 percent except for military and small business those are the notable exceptions so that's an average so that means the 32 percent some of those are higher than others congress for example was only at nine percent i'm surprised it was that high i know so <laughs> there's nine percent of optimists out there in the yeah, united the states blind okay. optimism uh the similar story across um western europe and Britain as well. Mm-hmm. And millennials, they're finding, are the most doubting generations. But if you think about all of the things they've had to live through, all of the scandals that have come to light, it's really no wonder. Yeah, I, I've noticed, even talking to my adult children, maybe you've noticed this too, the way I take in information and news is very different than the way they take in information. Yes. And they, when I, we just are in conversation saying, hey, did you see this story? Did you see this reported? I take it as truth still mm-hmm. coming from that 70s, 80s, kind of 75% right. trust in institutions. And they are like, well, I listened to this source and then I listened to this source and I'm not so sure that was the whole story. And I'm like, wow, yeah, what a different perspective. Probably <laughs> yeah. way more savvy actually and wise. Yeah, they've just learned. Yeah, they've learned. They've got to piece things together from different mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that goes back to the information bubbles that's where you're where are you getting your information yeah it it you know i've noticed this about myself i tend to want to get information that feeds what i already believe and i have to make a conscious effort to go to a source that is contrary Mm -hmm. to me and and wow it makes you such a better not only thinker but you're just more you, you do get a bigger picture right knowing that all our new sources all have their own agenda and own perspectives. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Speaking, (laughs) this is our Reagan podcast. There was a law that made every news organization have to present both sides of a story. Hmm. That is no longer. And that was the beginning in the 90s of the very partisan reporting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the 90s, I remember thinking, well, that's a good idea. Now we're going to get some balance because all the reporting was, he was reacting to the reporting being from one perspective. Hmm. Not actually, you know, from both, but what it did was made it worse. Yes. So now much we worse. now we have these little silos, these little echo chambers mm-hmm. of our own opinions, and and it's, ugh. I mean, yeah, you and you social media and Facebook and all those things are designed 
to make it more so, to give mm-hmm. you more of that. That's what the algorithms are structured for. I mean, I'm getting questions like that on my feed. Do you want more stories like this? Click yeah. yes or no. <laughs> and it, I think every now and then they'll, they'll just throw some um, way far differing opinions from mine in there and I'm like what is what's happening here delete 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 and I'm like Renee what is your problem like hold on a second can you not read like one thing from that perspective yeah yeah it makes you sort of take a pause and And if I'm pausing I I would I think maybe most people are not pausing not pausing Uh uh-huh most people are likely to describe a person like me as the most credible source of information. Okay, let's explore that a little bit because that's cool. Like that that's an interesting thought because okay, on the one hand, Bonnie, like I do the reason I have friends who are like-minded is because I need help moving in the direction I think is wise, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you have a similar perspective and so I want you to speak into my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's good. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? Well, I think it is good. Like I have other friends too who are, who do not share my worldview. And it is, um, it is interesting to spend time with them because occasionally, yeah, they'll give me something. Oh, and yeah, never thought about it from that perspective. That's really interesting. And, and a good point. Yeah. Like, I'll take something. That's a really good point. Um, but I do want to put it into my, <laughs> the boundaries of my little yeah. puzzle that I'm putting yeah. together, you know? But um, I think it makes you a stronger thinker because of that. Like it's, it's actually better than a news article from a differing perspective because this is a person you love yeah, and can see yeah. like a lot of good in mm-hmm. and will appreciate. I listened to a quite kind of a long recording, maybe 20 minutes of Sonia Sotomayor, mm-hmm. one of our Supreme Court justices. And she was speaking to this, how she and one of the most conservative justices, might have been Roberts, I'm not sure, are um, quite friendly. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, we look at things probably as opposite as any two people on the bench could. But the reason um, I can hear him well is because I see how he lives his life. No one on the court knows more about what's going on in the lives of every single clerk, every Mm. single person than he does. He knows their children, their grandchildren's names, what's going on health-wise with their parents. Um. And so she said, you know, we have different solutions to the problem. We, we believe there are differing um, answers, but I don't despise him. Yeah. I see his perspective. I thought, well, hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. That's what civil That's so refreshing. discourse is all about. Yeah. We've lost it. Right. And the reason why you need to spend, and we talked early on, one of our earliest podcasts was talking to your children about race. One of the reasons why it's so important to spend time with people who don't look like you who don't live like you because they can give you their perspective and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And you don't just stereotype and categorize and yeah. And you can ask questions and not be accused of bad motives when you have relationship. (laughs) Exactly. And if you misstep in your wording, there's grace for that. Yeah. Gosh, who doesn't need more of that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's said um, that we are now in a post-truth world. This book said that? Yes. Um, it was actually the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year in 2016 was post-truth. And that's mm. been several years ago now. So just... That's six years you know, ago. Pack some, wow. pack some stuff on top of that. Um, so Botsman shows how our world has shifted from trusting locally, like those you can imagine in history, those in our tribe, our close community, 
Then we moved to trusting institutions. Once we quit bartering a chicken for a frying pan, we had to use systems (laughs) of money. So you had to trust this money is going to actually mean something, right? Mm, Right. And we made institutions um, travel, and the world became a little bit smaller. And now we're in another rapidly changing shift. So if we don't trust traditional institutions anymore, down to that 32% of us barely do that, and our world is post-truth, well, what do we trust? That's a... (laughs) Let that sit. What do you trust? Mm-hmm. We're taking these leaps of trust fairly quickly now to things that would have seemed insane just a dozen years ago. Yeah, I like this phone experiment you put on here. I thought, oh, what it it, makes could me you and I nervous. could you and I just do that? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I what would I? You know, I I felt that <laughs> You're way. Squirming, Renee. <laughs> I felt I'm because I'm feeling the feelings when I did this with my kids' phones. I did not want to do it. Mm. I did not want to look. Because I did not want to know. I mean, contrary to what kids think, like we don't like catching them, right? Breaking our trust or lying to us. No, it doesn't do it's good a things for our hearts. Feeling, it, right? It's a, it's the worst feeling in the world if you feel like you failed. You feel like they failed. Then you feel guilt because you're taking on their life, right? Actions as as if you're wholly responsible for that. There's all the there's all the sure. yucky feelings that happen. So this was an interesting experiment. Let me let's describe it. You said um, next time you're sitting next to someone you don't know, ask them to swap phones with you for one minute. Just one minute. Someone you don't know. Yeah. Some dude on a bus. <laughs> uh, you'll hold their phone. They'll hold yours. You've unlocked them. Yeah. And what you decide to do with it is your your choice and their choice. The reactions, yeah. So the, this author said she did this countless times in conferences and just like all kinds of different settings, and the reactions are pretty predictable. Think about it. That you were talking about this squirming while you were talking about it. That was funny to me. It, very much so. And I don't even have. Yeah, you know what you have to hide. But me. Yeah. Me. That's what I have to hide. Exactly. Your interests. Your interests. Your... your opinions. You at yeah. your um. With your guard let way down with your husband, the text mm-hmm. with your husband, or the thing, the snarky thing you said in this email to some, you know what, I'm, you know, like, yeah, all the, all the big, bad and ugly. So it's funny. People would take it hesitantly. Some people would put it face down. They kind of laugh. Uh, okay, we'll do it. Some people would be like, no way, man. <laughs> Refuse outright. They would ask, how long is left? Like, how long do we have left? It's only 60 seconds. And some of them look at messages, pictures. Some of them might even post something on your behalf to Instagram. And mostly it's very uncomfortable. And that's yeah. just a phone. Yeah. And I know our phone like is ourselves. We identify way more with it probably than we should. But that's just a phone. Um, so think back to when Airbnb and Uber were emerging. And I thought they were insane. Me too. I thought you're going to somebody's personal car, a stranger's personal car. Right. We're taught our whole lives, never, never, never do that. <laughs> I'm going to go stay in somebody's house and they're going to be living like right there with me. Yeah, we we did it down. They were downstairs and we were upstairs. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to a different country across the world. You're telling me. And I'm going to pay these people to live in their house with all their stuff in there. Who's going to do that? And, and I'm thinking it from my perspective as a guest, but what about their perspective? It's their house full Touching of stuff. stuff. Yeah, I would never let anybody do that. And now, how many times have we used Airbnb? We're going to use Airbnb in two weeks. Yeah, I know. Going to New Mexico. Thank you, person who trusts us to stay in your house. (laughs) Now it's nothing. (laughs) 
Now we're like, oh, yeah, well, who's got the closest Uber? Yeah. Hop in with that dude. I don't know your name. So we've established these ways to trust through technology now. Um, Apple Pay, eBay, Etsy, all those online transitioning. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. trust it's going to be there. It's going to be good. Um, and we've done that trust leap pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. In a span of like 10 years, we've gone from these huge institutions that have been all of my lifetime to about 10 years of, oh, yeah, okay, I'll trust you. Yeah, but we really don't trust the institutions. No. They're, like we, we trust like, I feel like we think that the technology um, mediated relationships are more personal. Maybe we have some control. Or well, like, I don't feel like I have any control over Congress. There's accountability because I can rate you. Yeah. I can rate your services, which, yeah. which will affect your next customer. So mm-hmm. there's this, a little bit of checks and balances, but... But with, I'm thinking with Congress, like I've started getting like newsletters from our representatives because I feel like I I need to at least be in the loop that much. And then there's the voting, but it feels very, I feel powerless, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and how can I really trust them to speak on my behalf? Mm, I mean, I Uh, hope I can, but uh, it doesn't really feel all that comfy. Yeah. Most of us don't feel like we can. Mm -mm. Even if we get the guy that we want, we don't feel like we can. And I'll be honest, even with Airbnb, like now you can give, like if I give a bad rating, so honestly, there was a house in Arizona we stayed in with the kids, one of our last family vacations. The bed was horrible. We both, David and I rolled to the center like a taco (laughs) shell, Yeah, you know, like a burrito. And I was like, this bed is really bad. Like, I'm not being a snob here. It's like a, it's, that mattress needs replaced. And I was hesitant to comment because I knew they were going to comment back. Mm. So there's this like power play. Yeah. Like they can rate me as a bad guest. That's right. That's right. So like the truth, the level of truth is diminished when you have that back and forth. Like, I don't want somebody else sleeping in that bed, but I want to go to another Airbnb. Yeah. A lot of times I'll do the rating kind of one way I'll be honest but then there's a section where you can comment privately Privately. to the host and Mm -hmm. that's where I'll point out yeah that spider in the shower was not my best friend (laughs) that wide angle lens you used the room was the size of a cracker box (laughs) right you might want to consider be honest yeah some truth in advertising there so I just thought it was so interesting that we are fairly easily in our our kids and our kids kids are going to do this even more than we have mm-hmm. fairly easily transitioning to a trust in a technology world, um, cashless society, all the things that we used to think were like givens, um, way faster than we are. There's a story in the book about a four-year-old who comes down the stairs and she usually asks her mom, she's dressing herself for the day. And she usually was asking her mommy, do I like, okay, do I look cute? And it was within a week of them getting an Alexa mm-hmm. that she stopped asking her mom and she started asking Alexa, Alexa, what should I wear today? Whoa. And this four-year-old really quickly transitioned to, yeah, I'm going to trust Alexa with my, how I'm going to look wow. today without an understanding of, hey, Alexa's all about selling you stuff. Mm-hmm. Alexa's going to suggest that you need some new Nikes. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. How, and how quickly they can take that technology on board because their brains are so plastic and right learning. Oh, yikes. So this is even more important 
we talked about at the beginning, laying that trust foundation with your child because somebody or something is going to quickly come in there and be just as good. Mm-hmm. That's really scary to think about as a parent today. Oh, that's wild. Okay, talk about the mental exercise you did with some people. You did this on me, but you did before me, you did it. Yeah, I was just just been thinking about trust a lot lately and was asking a few people, can you name five people that you just that you trust implicitly like you were talking about? I can tell you anything. Um, you're not going to divulge my secrets. I know you're going to, like, if I call you at 3 a.m., you're going to come help me. Anything. Name five people. I think if you can name five people, you're probably pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. You might be pretty rare. Um, I could come up with my five mm-hmm. pretty quick. And I would say those people change. It used to probably be my parents more. And as my parents aged, the tables turned. Yeah. It was more them trusting yeah. me than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quickly came up with my five, and you did too. Mm-hmm. So just ask yourself that question. Do you have five people right now that you can trust with your life, with your existential angst and all your worries? Um, and then ask yourself, do your children have five people? Because mm. you're a teenager. Wow. And do you know who they are? Um. That's a great question. You could even ask that to your elementary age children. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be a real revealing thing. Mm-hmm. Who or what can you trust? And mm-hmm. and God's included in that. You know, I assume Alexa would be included in that. Google. Can you trust right. Google? Right. We do. I trust the consumer reviews on yeah. Amazon. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know these people. Right. They don't know me anything. So, yeah, it's just a real interesting thought question. And... If you can't name the five people that your children trust or that you trust, why is that? And what can you do about it? I don't know that I know the answer, but. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I would, if I couldn't name five people, I would start say, I need some relationships in my life. I mean, I've done that for other things. So I had a lot of younger friends. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I was like, I need some friends my own age. How did this <laughs> imbalance get in there? So I just like started working to like make some friends my own age. Um, you could do that with trust building. You could yeah, build just, some, you maybe have some relationships. You're like, yeah, that's, that's at one level. I think, but I'd love for it to be at a different level. Mm-hmm. Let's work on that. It just takes time. Mm-hmm. You got to jump off the, and some intentionality, merry go round of your life. Yep. All that busyness, which leads us to our last topic on this, the facets of this diamond of a topic. It's so good. Trust issues. So when we say someone has trust issues, what do we mean? We're usually talking about someone who finds it difficult to trust others, not a healthy skepticism or feeling hesitant about being friends with someone or getting into a relationship with someone who rubs you the wrong way. That's such an interesting question that I ask myself a lot now, Bonnie. When someone rubs me the wrong way, I just get curious. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> I turn it, I go like, what's, what's the deal? Why do, you, why do you feel that way? Not what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Just like, why are you feeling that way? Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. Kind of revelatory. It is. <laughs> Sometimes like, you get answers you don't really want. Yeah. Or just, I can, or I get an answer that's like, oh yeah, well, this is really important to me and they seem to minimize that, but mm. I think they just don't understand it from my perspective. And I can just put that, as, I can give it the weight that it deserves. It's maybe not as heavy as I was um, making it out to be. 
Right. And I'm able to see them more fully right. as like a whole human. Yeah. And maybe like, like we said at the beginning, you're trusting them. You usually are trusting someone with X. So maybe yeah. you don't trust them with that part. Right. Of your mind or yeah. your whatever, your life. Yeah. But you trust them with lots of other parts. In terms like of homeschooling, that was a very like not many people understood that journey, especially when we were here in Murfreesboro, there was just nobody around me who was living that way. And so there wasn't a lot of people I could trust with that kind of topic that, that now in Greensboro, it was different. I had five other moms that I could go to and be like, okay, y'all yeah, help (laughs) SOS. So, um, so yeah, I can, it, but during, during that time though, I don't think I could separate it very well. Yeah. It's only with some age and some life experience that I can go, oh, okay. Yeah. They don't get that, but they have all this other to offer. I think it's the rare connection in person where you just get that one-stop shop. Yeah. Where you can just trust somebody with everything. everything. So for introverts, that's a bummer because I don't want a bunch of friends. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of emotional <laughs> investment. Aww. I hear you. I know. <laughs> I know. So, okay. So back to trust issues though. Um a lot of times it's just because you've been betrayed or you, your childhood, you know, we go back to that maybe even as young as an infant, as we're describing, maybe your needs weren't met. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, many children have divorced, which is over half the population. Now, you know, the, the foundation of their trust was broken. Mm-hmm. Their parents did not stay together. And so of course you're going to have some trust issues. Yeah. But they're not insurmountable. No, awareness is key. Yeah. Therapy is key. Yeah. Work through all that stuff. Right. You, you know, as you're an adult, you're, you end up being responsible for your own self. And right. so, you know, when I hit my own speed bumps, I was like, okay, well, you can get better. Or you can stay like you are. I think I'd rather get better. Let's get to work. <laughs> yeah. You can just sit there and say, yeah, my parents, it's all my parents' fault. They did this, 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 yeah. and this. And sit there in that. Right. Or you can improve. And you can make different choices for yourself. Absolutely. If you didn't like the way you were raised. So I, this was a helpful list, though, Bonnie, that you gave. Because um, a person who finds it hard to trust might be like all, overly suspicious all the time or questioning people's motives, which sounds exhausting. Right, doesn't it? Oh, right. And it really makes it hard for you to ha- even have a close relationship. So I like this list. Can you go through some of this? Like you might have a problem with trust if. Yeah, if you always assume the worst. You're constantly thinking any exchange means they're going to expect something from you later, hmm. which yeah, that's exhausting too. Yeah. Like your, your, your radar is always up. Yeah. What, what's going to come next? What, when's the shoe going to fall? What do they really want? Um, if you're suspicious, like you said, thinking others might be trying to hurt you or deceive you. Self-sabotage. This one's interesting. Doing things that might harm your relationship because probably better to go ahead and end it now than end up being disappointed later. Ugh. That sounds so lonely. Yeah. That's not going to end well for anybody. That yeah. doesn't serve you well. Um, unhealthy relationships you have on here. Um, tell me more about that one. So you're just, um, you're constantly in un- unhealthy relationships because you're struggling to build that trust. You never really take that risk of mm. vulnerability and giving of yourself. And so the other person can't ever, you can't ever really be known or seen mm-hmm. fully. So their, their connection is sort of limited. It's like yeah. your cable channel is going in and out uh-huh. and they're not really seeing the good HGTV version of you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
And lack of forgiveness. Well, this is always a bad one. It's a good red flag. It's the poison you drink Mm -hmm. to kill someone else. But not just that other person. Now you're unable to move on and trust someone else. Um, You live in guilt or shame or bitterness. You know, you feel like for me, my default would be like, um, you're so dumb. Mm. Why did you trust that person? Yeah. Don't you have better discernment than that? Mm. And... And like, okay. So those are lies. Like a little, a little curiosity <laughs> is okay. Like, why did you trust them? What, how'd that go wrong? But then, yeah, we don't have to do blanket statements. Like you're not discerning at all ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> or yeah. What made you like, what in you allowed you to, to be deceived? That's a helpful question. Mm-hmm. And then how can I, how can I change that moving forward? Well, certainly not by cutting yourself off or always, like you said, always assuming the worst or always being suspicious. Right. Those are not helpful coping mechanisms. That's not healing. Right. Um, You're also probably likely to distance yourself. So not only do you self-sabotage, you get into a relationship and then you end it early, but you distance yourself. You build the walls and avoid the relationships altogether. Mm -hmm. Also a very lonely existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the last one on here, focusing on the negative. Okay. What's going to go wrong? Noticing other people's flaws, mistakes, or weaknesses rather than their positive qualities. Well, that makes you a really winsome person. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to be your friend. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of these are self-fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so if you have trust issues, and they're really hard. If you have trust issues, you probably don't have a super close friend, like a real close friend, to work through all this with because you're hesitant to talk about it all. That's why I'm saying... A counselor, yeah, is probably a great idea. Can help point that out. I mean, I don't you know people like this, Bonnie? I know a yes. couple where I go, you know what? I see so many cool things in you, but you are so prickly mm. that you you're you're wondering why people are responding to you in kind of a stiff arm kind of a way, and I can. I can see it's because you bark at people and mm. you're throwing up these walls. You're, um, you're being kind of negative. I, I honestly think they probably are not aware. Oh yeah. I think they're not too. And I'm not a very good friend cause I haven't said anything. <sighs> How are you supposed to say that to somebody? Dr. Phil, help, to be, help me do it. You have to be invited <laughs> in or very gently asked to be invited in. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of hard conversations I've had. I've prayed for an opening. I haven't prayed. This one I'm thinking of right now, I haven't prayed about. Maybe I should just pray about an opening because I'm thinking, wow, you're such a cool person. But, you know, even if something as simple as like an interaction in a restaurant, mm. like you're coming across kind of porcupine-ish. Yeah. There's certain personalities, like I think the gold personality doesn't even get that. They yeah. don't, they don't understand. I had a tone. There was a tone. Yeah. I didn't know there was a tone. It's not you, by the way, Bonnie, So the, the person I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to catalog in my head. What have I done at a restaurant lately? Yeah, I don't nope, know. Nope, it's not you. Um, or, or we could go pause on the podcast. Here's our opening. No, just kidding. No, just kidding. So, so the good news is always, always, always on this podcast, we want to say you can overcome yep. by God's grace, by his grace and his truth, you can overcome and if adversity. If you find as a parent, ever having gone through all this stuff, Maybe I haven't laid the groundwork, like, from day one. No time like the present. Yeah. Start now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Love covers a multitude of sins. That is my mantra for this season of life. You know, you can always go back and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let's start again with your children. It's so empowering for them to hear that from you. So you can, I mean, there is no other way to build trust than slowly. (laughs) You know, unless I give me a crisis situation, you see people pulling people out of cars or out of burning buildings, that kind of thing. But generally in our day-to-day lives, yeah, you just... It's going to be day after day after day. Mm -hmm. And you said some of your young... Mom friends. Families, mm-hmm. yeah. It's all in the little things. It's not like, like you said, it doesn't have to be this big, giant gesture. Sometimes it's like, hey, you said you were going to take out the trash, and it's two days later, and it's still sitting there. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a husband or an older child, that is, that's their chore. It doesn't matter. Right. It erodes trust. And there's hundreds of those little things in every day. Life is lived in a million little decisions. Mm. You know, we love the big Disney vacations. Well, I don't because I don't love Disney. Did you know that about me, Bonnie? I heard. That was a rumor. (laughs) But it's not the big vacations. It's the day-to-day moments. It's the before breakfast. It's the getting in the car and going to school. It's the, it's every little decision you make. You're, you're, you're heading in a trajectory based on a million little moments, which to me is very encouraging. That's not discouraging. To me, it's like I got another little moment another right after this chance. one. That's another right. moment and another moment. So many chances. Don't let that be a burden. Let that be a freeing, yeah. No, you know, realization that no, no, it's a it, you did it wrong yesterday. Well, today's a new day. Yeah, his mercies are new every morning. Absolutely. So yeah, oh, you can overcome all this, all this stuff. If if any of these things on this list were you, um, just talk about them. Tell your tell your partner or your spouse or your friend or your child. Hey, I'm really mm-hmm. struggling with this. Um, so when you do that, it makes me feel like this. So the other person can be aware. Oh, yeah, okay, I can see how. Yes. That might affect you. I had no idea that my actions were doing that to you. Like, talk to each other. Classic, classic conflict resolution. When you do this, I feel like this. Not, you always do this. <laughs> and I feel like garbage you know no it's like when let's just be a specific instance when you don't take the trash out I feel like I can't lean on you to help me run the house Mm -hmm. like it needs to be run little trust Mm -hmm. that was a little trusting Mm -hmm. so yeah I I think all this is so good and so interesting so this is one worth maybe listening to twice because there's so many good questions to ask yourself Mm-hmm. and get um, curious about yourself think about yeah how am i doing in this area and how are my kids doing in this area uh, i think it's really good so we're gonna have all this information on our website at just you can find us on facebook at just ask your mom or instagram at just ask your mom podcast and as always we'd love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening and better yet subscribe so you get each new monday episode and if you have questions or suggestions send them to us just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time on Just Just ask ask your mom. mom.